Hey, all right. Welcome to the Big Story Podcast, where we have great conversations with amazing creators. I'm Alex Morrissey, and today we have a coffee-sipping dynamo, Kelly Sue DeConnick. Hello, friends. Good to have you. Thank you for coming on, and we are going to get into it. We've like, well, it's funny because we've had a few, I guess we've had some of your co-conspirators conspirators on uh, Historia. Um, we had Phil uh, Jimenez on as well as I think Jean is. Jean, huh? Yeah. So it was pretty, it was pretty exciting because like we've, I've known Phil like since the late 80s, maybe yeah. 1990. Um, he went to SVA when, uh, when I was in SVA um, or art school. And uh, he's super close uh, friends with a very close friend of ours, Jeff Jensen, the the writer. Oh, right. And, yeah, and uh, so Phil is a great guy. And then we had Gene on, and then Gene's like, "Oh, I'm taking over for Je- uh, for Phil." So I thought that was great. Yeah, so that's a uh, big stuff. Um, so and then you got you got to get Nicholas Scott on next because she'll okay. follow uh, she'll follow Gene on book three. All right. We'll make it happen. And then you got everybody. Get them, collect them all. Um, it's not just get the comics, but get the people. That's the, yeah, yeah. the new the new model. True, um, true nerdy fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. I guess sort of like what we were talking about, getting obsessive about the things that you, yeah. you know, get all, just all in. Um, so, where are you? I'm in Asheville, North Carolina, um, in the lovely mountains uh, in the Appalachian. Um, where are you in this country? I am in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I'm actually in unincorporated Multnomah County. So I'm just outside the city, but in in the Portland metro area. Uh, it's, I, I love Portland. It's really such a great place to go and visit. I have family out in uh, Oregon. So, you know, the the terrible uh, thing of having to fly into Portland and say, stay, to stay a day or two before you go down and visit. Oh, them. terrible. Poor <laughs> you. It's the worst. Um, if only they lived in Bend, it could be a one-two perfection for me. It would be just one after another. But sadly, they're on the other side of the mountains. Um, so... Um, you write and you write a lot so um and still not enough how about that well it's i mean i i uh i do i do i do prose writing and it's like so daunting because the projects are so long and you just sit there and look at the ever-growing list of the next thing that you want to do and it just never stops because creativity only breeds more creativity so is it the same problem for you yeah um i and 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 a lot of my own making like i overcommit and if you're if you're doing something as a as a solo artist then you know if you miss a deadline Mm -hmm. you you, the next person in the line is you and you will forgive yourself right um uh but you know, if you've made commitments to collaborators on comics and you miss a deadline, like you affect their paycheck. No, it's um, so, and their live in their life. Yeah, you know, it, it's the um, 
you know, in working in different, you know, various sort of businesses over the years, you do, you have this interesting thing where sometimes you're at the beginning of the, of the train and other times you're at the end of the train. And it's really interesting how, you know, how you say that. I mean, by theory, there's probably more people in the comic industry angry with writers than anybody else in the, in the racket, just because the colorist and the letterer and the, you know, the penciler and the inker have all sitting around waiting. Hey, when are we going to get started? But uh, yeah, we're, we're the first domino. So yeah. when we're late, we set everybody else back. Yep. And then these days we get more of the credit and attention. So we're, we're rightly the villains. in that, uh... <laughs> Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like I can't, you know, I, my, creative you know career started off you know penciling for marvel and dc and you know this was in the early 90s so i had this sort of i think you know i mean i guess it was the time that the artist was kind of the was king at that moment just yeah. because the image guys were just about to break off so they had their sort of world of you know amazingness what's going on right but, um you know and when i ventured into the advertising design world you know i would was teaching and they were like they were talking with the writers all the time and I kept yelling at the art direction students. I'm like, no, you guys are the, you know, the, the, the real thing, but it really, it, it all came down to the writing. Cause it was the idea. Like the idea was the thing that sold the ad campaign. It wasn't the visual. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, my favorite way to work in this artist writer model is very, very collaborative. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, so I don't think either one of those breakdowns is super accurate. I think, I think if we're, the way I like to, to work, if we're doing it right, um, it, it, it creates this kind of third authorial voice yeah. that is a, a different thing from either the artist or the writer and um and that you know and that's why like a book that i do with phil is very different from a book that i do with emma rios is very different from a book that i do with valentine delandro is very different from a book that i do with gene ha you know and so on and so forth um and so like to to i i understand why and we want to make sure that that you know everyone's work is being credited and, and acknowledged but um but really to give either of the two collaborators in that role, you know, it, it like, nope, it's, it's sort of this third thing. Yeah. Um, no, I, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, I guess that's, that really is super like clear because I mean, you're looking at something that, you know, the vision of the person typing out the words on the paper mm -hmm. um, and then that vision is reinterpreted um by another another person in a visual sense so yeah. now we see what how does this come out and it, 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 the, the, the sort of venn diagram you know that overlap is what we get in the process and then we add other creators into the process even sort of enriching that um that vision did you i mean like on monthly books like how do you feel like the the, the sort of collaborative process is different than sort of a project book um where you have a more of a timeline. Um, I mean, I, it's it's interesting because because monthly books are such a machine, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and it, 
the train has to leave the station every 30 days. Um, folks are just not used to working really collaboratively. Um, right. and, and in fact, sometimes this thing happens where, you know, I reach out to the artist, you know, like, hey, do you want to talk about the scene? Is there anything, you know, what's going on? What do you want to talk about? What What is interesting to you here? How do you feel? Like, do you want any changes, you know, or, or whatever? And and they will kind of interpret my reaching out as my being like, where's pages, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, I just pointed at my watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and that's actually not my intent at all. Um, that's the editor's job and I am a slow writer, so I will never be uh, like, I, it would be the most hypocritical thing in the world for me to be like, um, excuse me, pick it up. Like, no, right. that will never, you will never hear that from me. Right. Um, so, uh, so when I reach out, I, I'm genuinely wanting thoughts and ideas. And some people are super into it and really responsive to that. And we kind of, and, and what I'm trying, like, the way I try to explain it is I, I, I like a, I like a collaborator who wants to play. Like, mm -hmm. want to play? Let's play. Like, what are the ideas that we're interested in? Um, I kind of feel like what I'm giving you in the script is my sense of, of the story. So I'm giving you the plot and then I'm giving you the, Aural, uh, and I'm pointing at my ear, A-U-R, aural and emotional rhythm of the story. And then it's for the the artist then takes that and adds the visual rhythm and the um the visual expression of emotion, which very often we're, we're getting into coloring now too, because coloring is so tied to our emotions. Yeah. Um, and they are the ones that speak directly to the reader. I only speak directly to the reader in dialogue, which is the smallest part of the script that I write. Right. Right. So yeah. um, most of the script that I write is a letter to the, to the artist and the creative team um the dialogue which get that gets to the reader is like the, the tiniest tiniest bit of that um mm -hmm. so it's you know ideally by the time this makes it to print it is a conversation that has evolved from the ideas of everyone involved um but when it's you know the monthly grind you know, often people don't have time for that. They don't want to hear from you. I have the script. Thank you. I will handle it from here. And yeah. you're like, okay, that's fine too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, ultimately that, that clock, the ticking of that clock is driving a lot of people's, you know, focus. Um, but I, I think it's, a. I mean, I love the, I love that beautiful sort of idea of the, you know, all the parties, all the parties involved and how that can come because we all know inherently those comics that we've seen um you know and i'm you know and, and everything else i mean in music or if it's film or whatever when the people who are putting these things together are so emo you know creatively invested in it you can really really sense the difference um, yeah and that's a i think that's a huge thing and i think it's a you know a very strong position to start you know your 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 work from 
because and it, it you know as you said it's not always going to come out that way but if you come at that from that point of view you're going to get there you know more often than not if you're not coming for that position so yeah i think that's i think that's great so like you know i would you know we're we're we're, we're peer aged and but i was you know obsessed with comic books you know growing up and went you know straight line into the the, the most lucrative business i could find which was drawing comic books and the, <laughs> um and um and but like you know you it doesn't look like you were really you were sort of like charging into it when you were young so like was were comics part of your growing up or were they a, a sort of a discovery or how did they come into your focus yeah so uh i grew up on air force bases all around the world and oh. we are similarly aged and so um uh this is pre-internet mm -hmm. and pre-cable right so um when i lived in germany we got one american television station and that was the afrts station and it didn't have a lot of children's programming but the um the stars and stripes bookstore on base had a full wall of comics um cool. uh, you know, this predates the direct market mm -hmm. but they had a direct market like comic newsstand yeah yeah um, and they were huge with military culture which makes a lot of sense if you think about the fact that the dominant genre in american comics has since the 50s been uh superhero comics mm -hmm. and um and because folks who are in in the military it makes it makes sense that they might be people who are in service might be drawn to yeah. that particular genre um so they were huge they were huge and i would i would spend part of my allowance on comics at stars and stripes and then i would spend part of my allowance buying stacks of comics from gis who were Oops. shipping Oops. out yep and uh and i could get those at the base swap meet on the weekends um, there's there's nothing better when you're young and you know if in for whatever and finding like that box they're like yeah. they're like i don't know like two bucks you know you're like <gasps> it's yeah I, I spent a whole summer one summer vacation we were we were away and i don't think i brought very many comics with me and we were at a yard sale and there was a box of like Archie's and Mad Magazines. You know, neither a thing that I was a big reader at the time, but like, they're comics. I'm going to yeah. get them and I'm going to read them. And I spent the whole summer just reading and rereading these 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 books over and over again. I think I still have a bunch of the-, the Oh, mag. man, the, the little fold thing that you have to- The back? The, uh, yeah. yeah, it was- It was, it was, it was the best. And they were all from the they were all from the 60s so they were all they were all older than me like they 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 were all like from like 65 64 so it was really kind of cool because i was like i'm like you know they're talking about stuff i didn't know but it was felt like it was really and beatles like they were like they always like would do a beatles skit you know like right, well, yeah like they were a thing the beatles were real you know <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so that's cool so so i mean so you're 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 base hopping growing up 
and you're you're you know and then i guess were you selling your comics at swap meets or <laughs> at the end no i don't know what i did with mine i no. don't i i don't recall having a sense that they had any value right you know like once i read them I'd read them and then the, the value was to trade them so I could read others that I hadn't oh. read before. Oh. Um, and oh. you know, um, the Edmondson family was a, a family that I used to hang out with when I was a kid. Uh, both my parents worked and um, they had a stay at home mom. And so a lot of kids would kind of hang hey. out mm -hmm. at the Edmondson's house. Um, and, uh, and all the comics kind of ended up there it there yeah, yeah. like everybody's yeah. comics sort of became part of the edmondson comic library <laughs> you know? yeah i know that's that's so that's so true because there, there was a there was a family like i grew up with and they you know they were i think there were like five kids in the family and it was just that was where like that was the nexus of culture for me in the 70s you know yeah. like, you know, like they were like, "Hey, here's a here's what Kiss is, you know. Here's here's some yes! of albums, and you're like, oh, what is this? You know, yeah. and you know, you're in second grade learning all this ridiculous stuff, and they're like, and you're looking through their comic books or whatever the stuff was that the bigger kids had, yeah, magic. And um, yeah, I think Missy was my age; she was the youngest, and then she had two older brothers, and her dad read comics too. Oh wow! So they had everything, and then the the oldest brother, whose name I think was Robert, but look, it's been a long time. I don't really remember. Um, we'll call him Robert. Uh, the The oldest brother had a lot of music magazines too. So, oh. uh, like, what, what was Circus? Was that Circus was a big one? Yeah. Yeah, and um, like there was a, something sixteen something. I, I don't I don't remember the names of them all, but like. A lot of, but yeah, when you when you said kiss was like yes, yeah. And the, the joke I always make is that um, I was super into to kiss like circa nineteen seventy six to nineteen seventy eight because we all were, um, yeah. and I was a member of the kiss army. I had sent off and gotten, yeah, mm -hmm. patch, uh, patch, yes, and uh, uh, and as. I never received any discharge papers. Oh, so you're still in. as far as I know, I am still enlisted and I could get called up any, any moment. moment. Any moment. Um, Gene's like 80. So. So what? You know, so I'm ready. If I'm, he needs me to step in, I'm yeah, here. I'm here. I'll stretch. I'll do all the exercises. I'll wear the boots. I'm in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah, I I know that Paul is a huge comic book fan. I'm I'm like one of my one of my goals is to try to get him on the show because I just I would love to talk comics with him. Ah, if you get him, you can, you want to you want to co-host? Yes, because right. I I just finished his book. Um, uh, behind the makeup, something. Yeah, oh, I think that's I think something like that. Yeah. Ah, uh, um, I feel like I've slaughtered the name of it, but I listened to the audio book of it and. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, and I absolutely loved it. Actually, it's um, for for like a, I love rock and roll memoirs, and mm -hmm. um, and it, it's actually smarter and more thoughtful than it has any right to be. Like, right? He's a he's a he's a quick dude. Very very savvy. Very thoughtful. Yeah. And the thing is that like he is a um, 
he's a, a theater nerd. He's like a, like, he, you're, he's like you're a drama guy. That explains so much about cool. Kiss. Like yeah, like, yeah. oh, right, right, right. You know, and he went on to play uh, Phantom in Phantom of the Opera too, which is like, oh, oh of I course. I totally forgot that. Of course like, you did, yes. That's, yeah, I mean, but that like, like those guys looked at it and said, okay, what can we do? Like we're three chord rock and roll. Like what can we do? And they they came up with a thing that just captured the attention yeah. of the 70s. Oh, and their, their live shows, we, we went to the end of the road tour and okay. did not take our kids. I've taken the kids to see Iron Maiden, but- Oh, nice. We didn't, we went with another adult couple for um, for the KISS show. And I I deeply regret not taking the kids because it was a show. It was just one of the best shows I've ever been to in my life. It was fantastic and so good that I almost did something like really extravagant and stupid. And, and I was like, you know, they're, they're going to LA like in a couple, like next week they're mm -hmm. going to be in LA. Yep. What if we took the kids and just went to LA and saw the show with them there? Like we, we got really close. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, that is fiscally irresponsible. <laughs> oh man. I know, I, I totally know that impulse. I had that impulse when you go to an amazing show and you're like, you know what? That other one's not, we could get, we could get, I think we can go to the next show. Like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you can clearly, like, if you can just feel that that little feeling in your in your belly, that one, and you go, yeah, that that's why the, the Grateful Dead existed so so well for so long because yeah. everybody felt that and we're like, hey, oh, you're going? Oh, okay, I'll go along too. And next thing you know, you know, 2,000 people are on the road. Um, yeah, yeah. They, there had been another night. If they'd done another night in Portland, we would or, have been back with the kids. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's a. Uh, it, yeah. No plane flights involved. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You can do that. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. It, it's. I don't know. I mean, there, there was there was something really magical about that period in time because, as you were saying, without the magazines, like we didn't know anything about anything. Like mm -hmm. we only knew what was put into these these magazines or on the liner notes of an album or you know, in the letters column in the back of a comic book. We didn't know anything about this stuff except for the small little portions that were parsed out by very clever people to keep yeah. everybody interested. And now it's like Wikipedia, Kiss, got it. Okay. Next yeah. thing, you know, and it's like that magic is a little, you know, it's just not as brilliant as it used to be yeah. Uh, yeah so i mean thank you know thank heavens for like damon albarn to come up with the idea for the gorillas you know yeah like, kind of really turn it on its head for some fun so yeah so so i mean so then you were what kind of, i mean what comics were kind of like hitting your head like that like do you remember as a kid like for me science fiction comics were big i loved them yeah i read uh so wonder woman was probably my favorite. Um, interestingly, I don't think I read any Marvel comics until I was an adult. Okay. Um, uh, and I don't remember that being a particular choice I made. I think it was just, you know, it, it probably came down to the Edmondsons, you know, like they read uh, mostly DC. So I read mostly DC and, 
um, you know, everybody read Archie. Um, and the DC horror anthologies were really big. Um, you know, it was the 70s, so horror was huge. Yep. Um, so we all read the DC horror anthologies. I read Vampirella. Um, and uh, all the Wonder Woman and Batman I could get my hands on. And um, what other... I guess that, those are the big ones yeah. from that period in my life. DC was kind of cool, like back in the back in the day. You know, they were really yeah. cool because there was very their comics to me felt really genre based. So you had like all like, hey, we got war comic, you know, right? Yeah, rock. we got you know, we got sort of like you know, so we got scary in wide variety of scary stuff. And Batman was like detective stories, you know, like yeah. you see, and you know, I mean, Wonder Woman at times was kind of like mythic, you know, there were yeah. these sort of like, you know, like, oh, that's- A thousand percent, yeah. Yeah, and it was it, it was kind of cool in that respect, you know, and Superman was his own sort of like Superman, um, you know, onto his own. And, you know, I mean, I like, was it a Legion of Superheroes? Like it was a right. bunch of kids. I'm like, yeah. these are kids doing weird stuff in space. I'm like, what's happening? A Blackhawk. Like all the like all these very cool things, so I think like it gave a wider palette. Like in Marvel, like if you weren't like into fights and tights, well, Marvel didn't seem to offer as many options outside of that. Yeah, I mean, I, this was like I said, I don't remember ever choosing right a brand other, or having a, or like having any preference. I don't remember. <laughs> I remember Coke and Pepsi wars. I don't remember. Marvel DC yeah. wars and there was no, and they didn't seem to be any like there was no picking of sides and there was no I don't know there was I, I in my particular circle of comic readers you know but in my elementary school yeah. <laughs> so I can't speak to any like huge experience but um uh but you know I don't remember that being tribal at all right um I mean and and honestly, I had my favorites, but I would read whatever the next thing on the stack was. Whatever the person sitting on the beanbag to my right was going to hand me that I could read so I can hand to it to the person yeah. in the beanbag on the left, I was going to read, you know? Yeah. No, that's, I, yeah. It, yeah. Now I'm wishing I was 10 again. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it is. I mean, it's very cool. I mean, I think that that you know, yeah. I mean, I don't think I really registered any tribalism for a long, long yeah. time. So um, preferences, sure, characters kind of bite into your spirit, and you hold yeah, on. Yeah, to totally. But you're like, but it's like, yeah, but it's but you don't go like, but I hate that character because it's not right. his character. You know, who cares? Um, no, do were you writing? Because I, I mean, I was a fiendish draw. You know pencil scribbler as a kid so like were you a writer as a kid or no no um and in fact i i mean i i knew i could write i, I knew i was proficient with language kind of you know above my grade level but mm -hmm. i didn't for a moment imagine that I could write a story. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a, like I, I, I didn't construct, 
one day I will finish one of these sentences. Who knows which one? Um, <laughs> the only memory I have of doing any fiction writing as a kid was I had a spiral notebook where I would kind of make up this ongoing, I don't even remember what it was now. Like it was some kind of ongoing adventure story featuring characters that were kind of named after and based on other things, all of my classmates. Oh, okay. And, you know, and so we would, you know, I, I, I would pass it around and everybody would be excited by what their part in the story was or whatever, but I didn't, I had no, like, there was no plot planned. There were, you know, there was, that. that is the only fiction writing experience that I remember from young childhood. Um, and I don't remember, I, I remember feeling good about proclivity with language, but that like, I don't know how you sh like, like, like just being in awe of anyone that could shape an actual story sure. and having no idea how you would even go about that. Because um, but they almost seem like, I mean, because like, you know, what of our, our, how do we engage, you know, stories, you know, in the written form? I mean, there are these, these hard bound editions that are lined up on shelves and libraries and they, they're yeah. very formally, you know, treated. And so, I mean, as a kid, it's not hard to kind of go like, I guess you have to be some sort of like wizard, you know, yeah. scientist to be the people who make this stuff. And obviously not a kid, because, you know, we all know we're kids. Right. Or you would have kids that could do it who didn't understand what you found confusing about it. Oh, okay. You know? And sure. so then, so you were just like, oh, well, you were born to that. Yeah, that's what you do. I guess and I, I can do math. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like that that sort of, you know, yeah. uh uh and then yeah, and it just it like in fact I remember babysitting at one point when I was a little bit older and the the kids were that I was babysitting were really really interested. I had told them about Dungeons and Dragons and okay. they were really yeah. taken with this and then so they wanted me to tell them a Dungeons and Dragons story which so this was just like make up a story and <laughs> right so I would spend all of this time uh helping them create characters yep. you know which I wasn't doing we had no manuals this was right. all from like my understanding my th the third hand understanding of what Dungeons mm -hmm. and Dragons was right and um so we would create the characters and then I'd just be like oh you fall asleep before I have to get to the part where I make up a story because I don't know how to do that you know right. um this would just be all of this stalling so that we never got to actual adventuring because I had no idea how that was done. Oh, but in their heads, I'll bet you those for those kids in their heads that they did go on these great like like, oh, we had this babysitter and we went and she told us these stories and like, oh, but our characters, the one, you know, like we played yeah. that, like they probably conflated this thing to some sort of magical event in their lives and they all became faculty workers <laughs> and scientists. I don't know. But um that's it. but it's interesting because like what you're saying is like I, I'm relating to it because in the 
in the sense of like stories and books, like how I interpreted stories or I, I expressed stor stories was kinetically. Mm -hmm. So I would like, if I was really into whatever it was, I would, you know, I'd grab my superhero toys or my doll, whatever things, and I would make those stories up. Or I would physically be, hey, we're going to go play. Remember that TV show, um, Man from Atlantis with Bob, you know, Bob. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't Bob. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Duffy. Patrick Duffy, yeah. And like, I was just, I would like make my neighbors, the three girls who live next door, I would like, we're playing Man from Atlantis, you know, and yes. we like do the whole, we would we'd set up a whole huge thing. Do kids do that anymore? I don't like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. My, my, I mean, I guess my my daughter, my my son's fourteen. But my daughter and her best friend, they do play pretend. They do. You know what they do? They um, hilariously they watch a show that's about the office, okay. and so uh, so they play pretend office, which is really very funny. What 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 amazing aspirations? Yes. <laughs> Like we're all pretending to be like, I'm going to go be Conan, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I a homeless guy running around killing people is not exactly, uh, you know, because <laughs> really what he is. Um, yeah, that, but that's interesting. OK, yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, you play, you just do the thing. You're the thing. And yeah. Um, yeah so like, but the idea of putting that down on paper, like in the in the words to make that a story, I think that was something, you know, terrifying to me, I had no idea. Um, yeah, I had no idea how to, how that would even be done. And I don't, I didn't venture into that one until desperation hit, um, you know, in 1991. But, uh, yeah. so, okay. So, so you're not, you're not that thing, but were you reading a lot? Did you, I mean, outside of comics, oh, yeah. so like, like I was just thinking Ramona the Brave. I love the Ramona the Brave, but like you're reading all these, you know, reading books grown up, like, you go off like what was your what was your self vision of like what this like where you were headed were you were you thinking creatively or were you thinking yeah so uh i read voraciously um and uh and my parents never policed my reading so i read anything i was interested in um which i, I really appreciate um and uh and it, it, oddly, uh, in third grade, I got really into ancient Greek theater, and I read hmm. all the old plays in third grade like a weirdo. Um, and uh, which is, which I think had a lot to do with Wonder Woman, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, the the Oresteia and it, that was my jam yeah. for a long time. Um, uh, and in fact, I, I I did a presentation in maybe if fourth or fifth. Mrs. Swingley was fifth. I'm not I'm not sure. I can picture the classroom, but I can't remember what teacher it was um so i can't remember what grade it was exactly but it would be somewhere between third and fifth i did a independent study project uh so i because i uh 
was on military bases. I got to go to DOD schools, which are very small class sizes and have a lot of advantages that, you know, so we got to do like independent study projects and um, the gifted and talented programs at that time were really, really good. Um, And, uh, but I did a sock puppet uh, (laughs) reenactment of uh, Agamemnon, (laughs) you know, like you do. Of course, um, everyone does that. Yeah. So um, so that kind of got me involved and interested in theater. Oh. And in particular in classical theater, which remained um, a big interest of mine. And then I ended up getting into theater in junior high and high school. And that was my focus. I majored in drama as a uh, college student Mm -hmm. and then had a concentration in Italian and uh, went and did a classics and painting program in Italy after graduation. Oh, that's great. So. Okay. So, so I mean, it was focus on Italian. Was that part of the the language sort of for you, like you said that you had a sort of a natural acuity with language, did that translate into to Italian, like into foreign languages? Yeah, so my um, my dad is multilingual and I'm not really. I have a little bit of several other languages, but I don't, the closest I ever got to fluency in a second language was Italian and mm-hmm. I didn't quite get there. Right. Um, uh, I was never, I could get around Italy and Italian at one time in my life, but I was never, it was never um, so natural to me that I wasn't doing translations in my head. Okay, that's, I think that the flip into fluency is when you are thinking in that second language rather than doing the translation. I never got there. I was always doing the translation. Oh, that's, um, that's but, uh, but yeah, I I come from, <laughs> believe it or not, I come from an Italian American family, um, and uh, and so that was important to me as a connection to my grandmother, but also, um, you know, Athens and Rome, sure. yeah, were the, the the heart of antiquity, which was so important and interesting to me. For That's, yeah. I, I mean, I remember it had to been like around fifth or sixth grade is when the sort of the uh, you know, the the Greek mythology stories kind of came came into my world. And I mean, I remember yeah. you know, having books on those in, in the house. And my stepfather was a colonel um, in the army, and so he had a oh, he had, we had a lot in common. Yeah, so he had a great he had a and still does that was a great library, but of all these his, his you know history you know and it's all this military history um so i would i would be able to go in there and pull out like all the you know look at his books on you know roman conquests or whatever the thing was and it was just always great to be able to have those things kind of flesh out like that sort of children's book on you know the the you know the trojan war you know the trojan right, war. Yeah. you're like yeah. oh okay cool but then you're like oh and he's like oh yeah but there's a whole book on that you can look at this and you're like oh you know and then you kind of dig into it so um so but so you you went the drama route you you know yeah. and so 
what's like in your self vision of that? Like, are you like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to be producing. I'm good. Like, like, cause it gets like, it's sort of like you can do everything when you're like in high school, you know, because yeah. you're, everybody's pitching in and, you know, you're painting the backdrop and you're doing all the stuff. Yeah. And then college, you go to, you go to university, it gets a little, you know, a little more sectioned. Right. Yeah. Although in my, uh, uh, University of Texas uh, Department of Theater and Dance, uh, they really did not allow you to, you know, if you want to, the master's program was for folks who were really digging down and, and specializing. Um, but you had to take tech classes, you had to take performance classes, you know, you had to take voice. It was not, uh, I am a terrible dancer. I took dance, um, you know, as little as I could get away with, but I had to do it. Um, uh, and um, my tech, you, you had, you could specialize in that, like, you had to learn some of every tech department, but then, you know, when you started to do multiple tech classes, you could kind of focus. Okay. Um, so, uh, I did a lot of costuming and um, and specifically, and I was the only person who was doing this study at the time, but I had one of my professors allowed me to, he, he what did they, you know, when you, it's it's another independent study thing where like the, 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 you're the only person taking this class and you and the professor are sort of making up the class as you go along, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, I did, uh, uh, makeup and special effects, um, oh. and, uh, and, and costuming were my, my tech focuses. And then, um, and then I was a, an actor, um, on the performance side. And, um, and then after college, I did a lot of, uh, um, improv, but, you know, I, re I remained a lover of, uh, both classical and um, experimental theater, which was how I really started spending my time after graduation. So um, I worked with a theater in, in Austin, Texas called Vortex, um, was in a, a played Romeo in a, a, I don't know if it was an all female production, but a largely female production of Romeo and Juliet. And, um, did a, a lot of uh, projects like uh, the Orpheus project, where we took the, the Orpheus myth and divided it into sections and randomly assigned two different artists to conceive of a way to still tell that section in performance. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. And then I moved to New York and did a lot of environmental theater. So plays that were written to be performed um, in specific locations, like yeah. uh, uh, inside a boxing ring that was in a boxing gym or um, uh, in a pool on a top of a hotel or um, in the middle of a street, you know, like these. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the uh, I've lived in New York for 25 years. So it's just like, 
you know, that, that that's that type of stuff is everywhere. You just you, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to scratch too deeply on the surface to really find that, especially if you're in, you know, the East Village or the Lower East Side. It's it was pretty predominant in the. Uh, yeah, the I was in Alphabet City for 10 years. Sure. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, you're like sort of in the, the heart of the beast. And what was the guy who had the theater um, company in the church on first second avenue and um ninth street there's the uh the old, there's the old old stone church there right there on the corner yeah and a david something or other i think his name was huh really experimental theater and we used to go there and check out that stuff so very cool yeah yeah, I used yeah. to go to an AA meeting at Second and Second. I was like, "Wait, what? Second Avenue's church?" Like, right? Yeah, that spot. Um, yeah, that's that's so cool. So, I mean, so you were just doing that. You were doing the New York thing. You were doing the the, the theater thing. And um, when, like, when did you like? I know that you did a bunch of translation stuff. Um, yeah. For I guess for manga, you were doing manga translation work, and. Like, did I mean was that sort of like oh I love comic books like were you like was that no, just it was I'm a struggling actor in New York City yeah. and I need to have 19 jobs because it's incredibly expensive to play for my tiny room um, yep. you know that I share with five other people off of First Avenue at one point you know like it's uh, um my place on Second between C and D the the guy that was on that lease had been dead for 10 years you oh. know like that kind of yeah. like so you so you know you do anything for a paycheck at that point yeah. and so i worked at a dress as a dresser backstage at the fashion shows i was a cater waiter i was um i i did makeup i did um touring improv shows at colleges up and down the coast you know mm -hmm. like uh just anything yeah. um, to to pay for my experimental theater habit, um, and uh, and I still read comics, and the internet was kind of a new thing at that point, and so I found like I found some posting boards for bands that I liked and for. Um, comics that I like. And that was kind of how I found the two major friend groups that became, you know, some of those folks are still really important parts of my life today. Yeah. Um, many of them in the comics realm um, are very important parts of my life today that my, my, my colleagues and my husband, you know, I met through, um, through these fan sites. Yeah. really and uh and then it became you know on on the fan site it was like well you know we're putting together an anthology who wants to you know ha take a shot at it and it was like well, well uh, you know i'm really competitive so it was like okay. yeah I, I can do that i'll try that you know um yeah. and so i i eventually it's funny because i always feel somewhat guilty answering the question of like how did you break into comics hmm. because on some level i broke into comics unintentionally right um which isn't it isn't to say that it was effortless but i 
I'm, I didn't take it that seriously. It wasn't a grand plan. It was just a kind of like, Ooh, I want to do this next. Ooh, I want to do that next, you know? And all the while with the notion that I was continuing to pursue theater, but then realizing at some point, I haven't auditioned in ages. I don't go to the same readings I used to go to. I write and now I get paid to write. And, and you know, just at some point I realized, oh, this is what I do for a living now. Oh. I guess I better take this real seriously. That's so, that's so interesting because that, that's, I mean, when you were relaying that, like I was just feeling that I'm like, okay, like there's a point like when the thing that we do, and may, like you said, there was no intention. It was an opportunity that you were like, oh, that sounds like fun. I mean, because like, as you said, you were doing 19 things just to kind of get by. So this was just another another thing. But that thing became a larger and larger slice of the pie without yeah. sort of any sort of real sort of like, uh, you know, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get that bigger thing. I'm going to get a 10-page story next. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't effortless and it wasn't half-assed. Mm -hmm. But it was never a grand plan. It was just always, I am a, I am a high energy, go a thousand percent kind of person. I'm very competitive. And so it was just always like being really interested in the thing that was in front of me. Mm -hmm. But, but I wasn't, I was only building the thing that was in front of me. It didn't occur to me I was building a career right. until... You know, at some point I looked up and was just like, oh. So that was you. Like, yeah. like wasn't, was there an was there an external factor? Like, did somebody like say to you, like, were people saying things to you and then you were able to kind of like internalize that? Or was that purely like from your po point of view? No, I mean, I, I think it was probably when I stopped writing actor on my, Mm. Uh, tax return right. and wrote writer was when I realized because you know you write actor sure. even though you're not making you know like if you made you got paid on one job that year you're like I'm an actor damn it you know um, and I, you know even though I was making a lot more money as a writer my, my brain didn't make that switch uh, and then I think at, at some point, it, it like when I was filling out a tax return, I I was like, oh, you're not an actor, you're no, a writer. No. That's what you do. It is. Uh, it was very surprising to me. Yeah, well, it's it is it's super amazing um, how that it, it is amazing how the tax return really is this sort of like codifying element of. Yeah purpose you know in in you know my i mentioned my wife's an artist and like you know you know the years that she's having a very tough time you know as an artist um you know she'll you know she hates taxes even more because it's like how do i justify writing artist on here when i really don't think i made any money you know and it's like a yeah. real tough, it's a tough thing it's for active her. faith it is you know? yeah, yeah. For sure, um, and 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 habit. Um, so yeah, I mean, like we just kind of do that thing. But that's uh, that's super interesting that 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 moment hits. So so you write it down, and you and you you know, I mean, it's like sort of like one of those uh, self help things. You, you write down the thing that you you know, and now it's like you've made it real. Um, did did that shift your mindset? Did you go, oh, I'm 
okay, now I'm really going to like charge into this more so with like sort of an intention. I don't know that it did. I don't know if I am. I don't know if I'm capable of that. Uh, and, and, you know, like, I, it's so hard when to, to talk about yourself. I think, mm-hmm. you know, we all have a certain amount of mirror blindness, you know, like, it's just, uh, I will, I will think about something I can say of myself that I'm like, that is true of me. And then the, as soon as I say it, I can think of like 19 exceptions, you know? Right. And so I want to say like, oh, I'm, I'm a planner, but I'm not really good at big picture planning. And well, that's, I can think of some exceptions where that's not really true, but, um, you know, I, I, like a a lot of folks, I got a late in life, uh, ADD diagnosis and, um, and it, it was helpful in that it made a lot of things makes sense for me. You know, I am um, very much a radial thinker. Like I, I, the good news is it's good for creativity because it's really natural for me to find connections. It's very hard for me to give you a straight answer to a question because my brain goes in four directions at once, right? Um, I'm sure that's not a thing that you've noticed in the last hour of our conversation at all. Um, so I'm not concise, um, uh, you know, I kind of follow a lot of interests, but I can hyper-focus on the thing that's right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I don't remember, I don't remember it being like a, oh, well, now I guess I better change something. It was more of a, like, <gasps> Oh, it was more like looking back. Yeah. Like, oh, this has been, I've been kind of lying to myself about what I was doing for a while. And I've actually been, I kind of tricked myself into doing this thing by not really looking up and seeing it. And so, but then it just, I kind of went back to, all right, what's the next project I'm really excited about and hyper-focused on? There have been times I have thought in terms of career stuff. Um, You know, I I will, when I finished uh, doing Osborne, I remember being like, oh, well, you know, I I guess the next thing on this career ladder is to pitch on an ongoing, I should get an ongoing. And then, like kind of did some research about what character I thought I should pitch an ongoing for and which ones I thought would, you know, and it was a very uh, unemotional decision-making process. Like what do I, who's a character that doesn't have an ongoing right now that really should have one that I think I could find a connection to in a way. And, you know, it's a, a little bit Machiavellian and it's, I think that's I think that's pretty natural. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think for every project I pitched, it was it really did come from that those points of view. Like you're looking around at what, like what character you can kind of vibe with, you know, that's not being utilized in the level yeah. or at all. Um, 
so you kind of go, okay, what, you know, what can I do? And where can you find those, you know, those sort of those sort of plot threads in the historic ar archive of that character that you know, to say, okay, you know what, there's that kind of cool thing. Let me see if I can flesh that out. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess that, I mean, you know, so you're, you're, so you're, you're a uh, Captain Marvel was a big thing in, in our, in our family because my niece who just turned 18 yesterday huh. um, and she's great. She is totally the coolest kid. Um, and she was really, really getting into the Marvel movies when they were sort of really kind of becoming a thing. And she was, you know, a young, young teen. And I knew that Captain Marvel was like on the horizon. I'm like, okay, yeah. they're going to bring this character in. And she's a young girl and, you know, she needs to know who this is and what. So like, I remember buying the, you know, the trades for your runs and giving them to her. I'm like, okay, read these because they're going to make sense to you in the future, you know, you know, and she was like, okay, you know, and you know, she read them, you know, but now it'll, but now for her, like the character is important to her because yeah. she has the connection. So um, was that, so that, was that a thing for you? Like where you were like, Oh, like, did you did you go to them saying, "Hey, I want to do something with, you know, with Captain Marvel," or how did that come around for you? Yeah, that was the that was the book where I was like, "Okay, I guess I get a pitch on an ongoing." And so, you know, I was like, "Well, her name is," you know, she was Ms. Marvel at the time, and I was like, "Her name is Marvel. Yeah. The company's called Marvel. Who's a beautiful blonde toyetic uh, character who doesn't have a book coming out right now." Mm -hmm. And she has an Air Force background. And I grew up on Air Force bases. Totally. Yeah. Hey, guess what book you should pitch on? Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah. So, you know, I, I started researching the character and reading a whole bunch of her stuff and kind of finding what was interesting about her to me. And then, again, I didn't have... There was no great plan. You know, and in fact... I was absolutely convinced that my ongoing was going to be uh, canceled at six issues, like utterly and completely convinced really? um, to the, and, and I said at one point, I think I said in an early interview, I was like, you know, oh, she'll be back in the black bathing suit, you know, inside the year. <laughs> like, you know, was, this is not going to stick, relax. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh and here we are. I, I've never been so happy to be wrong. But um, but yeah, I, I I was so convinced that we would be canceled that I did not have a plan past issue six. So when we got approved to twelve, I had to scramble. Right. There is a there is a two issue arc right after the six the opening six issue arc. Seven mm -hmm. and eight are me buying time. Nice vamping. Yes, to make a plan for the next arc. Um, exactly, because I, I just didn't. Yeah, it it, I, it was inconceivable to me that that there would be issues seven and eight of that book. That's I mean, but that's that's so cool that you were like sort of like in that sort of relative fatalistic kind of attitude of like, well, you know, it's gonna like I'm glad I got the shot, but oh no, yeah. and it and and I'm not. I'm not a pessimistic person and it right. 
it didn't bum me out. In fact, it was incredibly liberating. I was like, I'm going to write about everything I'm really interested in writing about because no one's going to read it. Who cares? You know? Um, yep. And so, you know, I, I did, I was like, oh yeah, my first arc, time travel arc, you mm -hmm. know, because that's, why not? Mm -hmm. um, uh, because I wanted to write about the history of women in aviation and I wanted to write about the Mercury 13. And mm -hmm. so like time travel arc, that's what we're doing. Ha ha ha. You know, yeah. and um, it, it, it wasn't, it was because I, I, I wanted to figure out a way to talk about the things that I felt really passionately about oh. and were part of why I connected to the character. Um, and so I just did that. And then somehow, you know, we ended up with two successful runs on the book back to back and then the movie and I, I got this, I got a note from Tim Leong uh, from Entertainment Tonight, uh, not Entertainment Tonight, sorry, Entertainment Weekly, um, right after the movie came out. And he said, uh, like, I, I don't, I don't know if you have had a moment to process this or not, but I just want you to take a second and think about the fact that there's going to be a generation of girls for yeah. whom this is their favorite superhero and what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, a, it was jaw dropping, you know, and humbling and, um, and all of a sudden there were little girls in my line at conventions, yeah. um, which I'd had some little girls before, but not like this. No. Um, and, and I would ask them all about the movie and what their favorite parts were. And it was astonishing to me how many of them, okay, so the flirkin gets a lot of love, which <laughs> fair, sure. absolutely fair. Um, but the the number of them that would identify the moment in the film that is to this day, I think like a wildly important moment when uh, Jan Rog says, you know, all right, you know, this is it, mano a mano, we're gonna take each other on hand to hand, put the, the fireworks away. And I said, when you could beat me without, you know, then you could really, you beat me and she just blasts him. Yeah. And without, you know, these nine, 10, 11 year old girls, without them being able to articulate why that was important, mm -hmm. they responded to that moment very powerfully. And why that moment is important is because what it says is, I am not going to hide my gifts because they don't matter to you or they make you feel bad, or we have to compete on a level of your ability. Yep. I'm gonna bring everything I have to the table, whether you are comfortable with it or not. Yep. And that is so much of the experience of young womanhood, you know, that I can't bring my whole authentic self to this interaction lest you be, you know, intimidating or, you know, all the other things that you, you can be told as a young woman, you know, will, will 
put off the comfort of the men around you. And yeah. and the fact is, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't I don't like I think that gives men so little credit. I think this is this cultural relic that isn't true for contemporary men or women, mm -hmm. you know? Um uh and Or, or anyone anywhere else on that gender spectrum, you know, sure. uh, uh, and it, and it's, um, it's bums me. It bums me out to know so many of those girls today, or I guess it's not today. I guess it was like about five, six years ago now. Um, but how long ago was it? I don't even know. Um, a few years ago now, <laughs> um, those those girls. We're, we're still having those experiences. That made me sad that that they were responding to that because that remained a truth. But it made me feel hopeful and optimistic that um, that they got to see on the big screen, you know, with a Oscar-winning actress, mm -hmm. superstar Brie Larson the negation of that idea yep. that no, you be you yeah. and, and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And it's, it's so important, you know, for anybody to see that thing, you know, that, that example or whatever the example is, we need to be able to see it to know that it's a real thing. Yeah. So whatever the thing is like, you know, you know, if you were, if you had, you know, who knows if you're exposed to writers at an early age, you can go, oh, that's a thing people can do. And then you go, okay, I can do that. If because right. somebody else could do it, I can do it. And, 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 but to be able to see a hero make, you know, make this, make this gesture, which is a defining gesture. Yes. You have this a bit, you, you now offer that sense of empowerment and hopefully not just to little girls, but to everybody to yes. say, hey, you know, don't because what I'm what I'm hearing is you have this moment when you were handed you know the the reins to this monthly you know an ongoing book and you showed everything you said okay I'm going to show all the gifts and it's a thing that I've noticed in a lot of um, new writers is they hold back. There's this yeah. thing like where they're like, okay, well, I've got this great big idea, but I'm going to like, it's going to be a slow burn or I'm going to work into it or whatever. I'm like, and I'm saying people like throw it all, do the thing that you want to do the most and all of it, put it right yeah. out there because you, you know, like what in Hamilton, you know, you get your one shot, you know, like yeah. this is it, this is your time, this is your shot and you take it because you know, I, 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 I keep staring at the sword in the background. Like I, I, <laughs> yes. I played a lot, I played a lot of D and D growing up, but I also, I also did LARPing as uh, growing up. So when uh -huh. you say costuming, like I, I'd made, I've made tons of costumes. Um, and I remember I was playing a game by myself. I didn't go off with my friends to do it. And I'm standing in the woods. I had to create this history and it was just like this great history. I'm like, and I had this great secret. I was like, ha, ha, ha. Nobody else knows my secret. Blah, 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 me, me, me. And I'm standing in the woods hiding because this character is in town. And theoretically, this character saw me. They could kill me. And there was no law that said they couldn't do that. And I stood there and I'm thinking, 
And I stepped out of myself and I looked at myself hiding in the woods with elf ears on, you know, <laughs> and I said, what the hell are you doing? There's no story in you hiding from yourself. Don't eat your lumps, get punched in the nose, get, get out there. And I did that. And I had a great time moving forward, you know, it because it became the best thing because I made the story happen. I right. did, you know, it's like, it's like if you read a book and it was like the protagonist, it was always just like, oh, wow, those, those troopers are really mean to those, those townsfolk, but I don't want to get involved. I'll just kind of walk around the edge of town and keep on going. Like, there's no story, you know, yeah. you have to kind of do that thing. So, and I think that's like, that's what you did. You get this, you got that, the book and you're like, I'm going to tell the story that I want to tell. Yeah. And that's a huge and there's the, the, like, there's a line, I think it's based on somebody's research, the people on their deathbed don't regret the risks they took. They regret the risks they didn't take. Yep. Totally. Totally. And I think that's, and that's what, that's what creating it, you know? Yeah. You're going to create it. Your number one task is to put that stuff out there regardless. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's, but wow. And it all worked out pretty well. Let's it's, just. It's so far yeah. so good. So yeah. far so good. So let's, let's talk, let's talk Historia because this is a pretty big, big, big project. Um Yeah. How did it like? I mean, we talked to we talked to Phil and how it came about for him. But how did it how did it start off for you? And what was your sort of? I mean, was were you talking to the third grader in yourself at that point? Um, DC called me and said, "We're going to do this Black Label initiative, and would you be interested in in pitching on it?" And I was like, you know, there's my big areas of interest in DC. Uh, our Lois Lane, who is maybe my favorite character in all of comics. And so I'm real, like, I, I, you kind of want to save something and just be a fan, you sure. know? And so I was like, I don't, I don't know that I want to do that. And, um, and then there's this like 80s goth B-list character from the, the Gotham universe. It's called Noct. Turna, and I was like, oh, okay. should I just do it like a Nocturna thing? And I was like, that is not sales bonanza. The, the, oh, you know, the Black Label Nocturna book. Woo, what? Uh, yeah, exactly. Lining Everyone's lining up already. Yes, yes. Um, she's like a vampire, but she's not a vampire, you know, like, uh, and so, um, and so then, then it was like, oh, well, Wonder Woman was the, the thing I was the most into as a kid, but but then I I had it it was the Amazons. It was like, oh, you know what I really want to do? I really want to do the Amazons, not Wonder Woman, but the but like the Amazons and right. Wonder Woman coming out of that, like right, mm -hmm. like. And I started thinking about it, and the, the phrase that I. I used that always is the one I come back to is I, I said, what I want to do is a Homerian epic with a woman at the center. And so that's where we come back to this kid that was like the little classics nerd. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, and so that was what I pitched. I wish I pitched Hippolyta as a Homerian epic he he hero. So um, and I, I pitched big, I pitched, 
nine 64 page issues, which is like over 500 pages of comics if I get to do all nine. DC was like, slow you roll. <laughs> We're gonna approve three and we'll see. Right. And so um, I did not squish the nine into three. I have done the first three of this nine book um, project. And if we only ever get to do those three, I will be content. Yeah. Um, uh, they are 64 page issues. So there's, they're, you know, we, we refer to them as oh, books. Um, and, uh, and I've had a tremendous time working on them. And, you know, if, if it ends here, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And if I get to do all nine, that will be both a blessing and a curse. Um, uh, and, I, and I'm I'm happy either way. But yeah, that was the idea. That was the pitch. Um, we talked artists. I submitted a list of artists, you know, and then uh, Phil Jimenez is like, you know, quintessential totally. um, uh, uh, Wonder Woman artist. And um, they called him and and sent him the 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 pitch, and and he actually politely declined. Uh, and then I was so bummed by that, that I, I, that I realized I have to like, oh, this is what I, I really want him on this. I need to see what I can do. And so I asked if it was okay for me to call him directly. I called him directly. We had a, a wonderful conversation and I think he thought about it another day and then he was in. Right. Um, and then I ruined his life. Uh. Yeah. That, that was kind of the vibe that we got. Well, I mean, like Phil was on, the, I mean, Phil was sort of at that point where he really didn't know what he was going to be doing in comics. Like that's, you know, he, and so, it was a bit of an overwhelming, I think, kind of thought for him. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, he had he had he had come off of a not great experience. He mm -hmm. was a little bummed and a little burned out, and uh, and I think that's fair. You know, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, but you know, remember when I was talking about what I look for in a collaborator, and I'm like, you know, I want somebody that comes to play. Yeah. Like Phil comes to play. Yeah. Like Phil and I are texting each other literally every day and sending pictures back and forth and talking and reacting to each other's, you know, like, well, what if we did this? Ooh, that's awesome. We're going to do it like this, you know, and that like, and, and, and that, that's what you want. Because it's, and, and Phil, and Phil, you know, learned a whole new thing doing this yeah. like he from being, he went from being a traditional paper and ink on paper or pencil and ink on paper, you know, artist to doing this digitally. And that's a huge transition. Yes. And the, you know, the results are just ridiculous. Um, you know, I mean, and I mean, he, not only did you drive him crazy, he drove his, the colorist crazy. I mean, like, <laughs> but like, I mean, the, the, I, this is one of my favorite things. I, I, yeah. I, I, you know, and, um, but like, he, like, you know, I mean, it, it, I think he, he found a challenge in this that he didn't expect to find. Yeah. And that's, that's quite a testament to what the two of you sort of played with to get there. 
Yeah. And, 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 you know, and I got not just a, a creative partner, um, but a friend, you yeah. know, a, 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 a friend for life now, this guy. He's, um, he's great. He's such a good person. Um, I remember we were talking to Gene and Gene's like, he's like, I have such, I have such a hurdle to, you know, just even to knock my head against. It's, it's, he said it's so high. No, oh, poor Gene. Like, oh. I mean, and poor Gene is a ridiculous thing to say because. Oh, right, right. Because it's just Gene. Phenomenally gifted, right? Yes. And, and like the most professional dude. Yeah. That, you know, like. Yeah. Just like dependable and articulate, mm -hmm. like always lets you know where he is and what he's thinking and like, like just consummate professional uh, and, and, and brings just guns blazing talent, you know? So th the idea that, that anything would be like, you know, Oh, poor Jean, like that's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but that said, I also, don't think he had any idea what he was getting into. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so dense. Like, yeah. I mean, it's super, super dense. Um, and Phil took four years to draw that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. right. And yeah. so Gene's doing it in a fraction right. of that amount of time, nice. but he's still working with Phil's designs. So you still got it like, Mm -hmm. Okay, so he doesn't have to design those 30 Amazons. They're already designed, right. but he still has to draw every antler, yep. right? Like, it, all, you know. All the things tied to the belts. Everything is, yes. yeah, it's, it, yeah, it, it is. And it is. then come up with a way to take these incredibly specific fill mm -hmm. <laughs> things, yeah. you know, and and how how does Gene take that and make it his own? Because mm -hmm. to to just you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be honoring the work for it wouldn't be honoring his talent. Right. For Gene to be doing oh well, let me just try to channel Phil. Yeah. Like no. you know, it has to be like all right. What do I? what do I bring of the, the, the gene artistic mm -hmm. vision and, and what are the things in here that speak to me? And, you know, and he like really makes the comedy work in the book, which is a fun, yeah. you know, that first, the first book is very heavy. Um, uh, all of the comedy is very dry in the first book. In the second book, there's a, a scene where the Amazon queens are kind of playfully bantering with one another. And it's not quite silly, but it's funny. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's like a, a, a moment where, you know, the, the, the queen of the, um, of Hecate's tribe is like, looking at this woman you know and and hecate's tribe like they have these very strange gold masks that are their faces like there's no face underneath there you can't take the mask off and they're spiky and and you know kind of frightening looking and she's like 
all up in this woman's face. And then Helene, um, who's the, the Am queen of Amazon, of uh, Athena's tribe rather, um, you know, says something about what they're going to uh, do with the women and, and uh, Minolipe is like, you know, oh, you're, you're scaring them. And uh, Helene is like, oh, it's, oh, it's me. I'm, I'm scaring them, you know, like, <laughs> like, and which she's up, it, it, like, and like, she makes this, or, or, or Jean rather makes this play. Like it's like the, the, the sarcasm and the wit and the fun yeah, between them he's, plays. He's, yeah. He's pulling off the acting on the page. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a, ta I mean, it's, it's a great talent. I mean, not every penciler artist, you know, can really uh, do idiosyncratic, you know, sort of acting with characters. It's not, yeah. a, it's, it's not a common thing. And uh, yeah. Or uh, they, all, all the three, all three artists of this book are very good at that. And they're each really good at it in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Nicola is able to do a kind of subtlety and nuance that's really hard to draw. Okay. Yeah. But she nails it. Like the level of the performance, like the simmering of it is like, oh damn. Yeah. You know? I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I can't wait to see Gene's stuff either. Um, when does when does Gene's issue come out? Do you know? I think it's April fifth. Okay, wow, so really close. Yeah, and um, the variant cover for that book is um, Becky Cloonan. We had oh. Olivier Coipel do a variant for book one uh mm -hmm. and uh becky clunan did a variant for book two and uh it's i i i'm hoping we get to show it sometime very soon because um may, maybe by the time this goes up we'll be able to uh link to it or something but uh it's 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 astonishing she did um demeter um for her cover and it's uh just jaw-dropping oh man she, she 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 can lay it down like it's so good yeah yeah, that, yeah. yeah big big fan of that um wow so uh this, these are big things but like do you have anything else you want to uh, talk about that you're uh that you have you're working on that uh the biggest project in my life right now, besides Historia, <laughs> is actually something that um, I am not uh, uh, allowed to talk about quite yet, um, which is a, a bit of a bummer. But I, I, I believe that it, I will be allowed to start talking about it sometime in April. Okay. So, and that um, that be something people can expect this year or next year? This year. Okay. Yay. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I mean, it's very hard. I mean, we, we live in this sort of cycle driven uh, environment now that people pay attention to comic books, you know, 30 years ago, no one would care. Um, yeah. But, you know, I guess we're very fortunate that people do care. Uh, yes, indeed. And it's, it's, it's no small thing. Um, yeah. I can, well, I, you know, I, I could probably talk to you all afternoon because there's many other things I'd like to talk about, but I'm going to let you go. Um, well,
have to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe we'll get the the whole lot of you on and have a. Oh, that would be fun. Story of map up. I would love that idea. Yeah, yeah, we could get a bunch of disgruntled colorists and. Oh. Because you guys, you have Clayton lettering. Was Clayton lettering? Clayton Cowles lettering. Um, uh, and how Clayton is used to my nonsense. Yeah, but um, Clayton and I have worked together for years and years. Yeah, so good. Um, and he he tolerates me admirably. <laughs> um, the colorists are going to come gunning for all of us. Oh, yeah, there, there there's going to be there's going to be some sort of you know moment. Um, oh, yeah. but it's okay. Okay, quick question. And the flatters. Can you imagine? Oh, I don't yeah. even. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. A, not even the colorist, the flatters. Oh, if yeah. I get pulled into an alley someday, it was the flatters. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff, and yeah. nobody and nobody's yet yeah, nobody's leaving anything off of these pages. Like it's it is really kind of crazy. Quick question. Yeah. What What are you reading? Are you reading anything that's knocking you out right now? Books. Anything that's just um I am reading a lot of uh nonfiction right now. Um I just it's all every I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of nonfiction that's like goofy self-improvement stuff, and then I read a lot of nonfiction that is um research related. Um I just downloaded uh audiobook of John Darneal's new novel um uh what is the name of it oh i can't look it up on my phone because you're phone. using your phone my phone is my camera um but uh i haven't started it i just downloaded it last night yeah. um so Double house uh that's it yes yeah. um google yes so um so i just grabbed that and i'm really excited to start that um Let's see, comics that have knocked my socks off. Oh, uh, uh, Cliff Chang's um, Catwoman book. Are you reaching for it? I, just, I just picked it up yesterday. I've been out of town for a while, so I, I went to the I went to Comic Envy here in Asheville, and uh, they pulled out the copy. I had I I didn't even ask them to save me, but they've been pulling it off in the side. Oh, that's nice. That's how you know you got a good shop when they know. Yeah, you know yeah. I keep saying this 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 book that Cliff is doing is the ultimate flex. He is he's showing, I mean, it's just him. Just one person crazy. Oh, he's just so extraordinary. He's so extraordinary. Yeah. Um and a really amazing person. Yes. Yeah. And like a very much a gentleman. Very oh. much a gentleman, which I I, I like uh, um uh you know, and I'm I'm uh you know, a thousand times in the tank. Uh, but um, my my husband continues to be my favorite comic book writer. Um, so it's Matt Fraction. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think, I think he's just the best going. I, I really do. And and like, I, I understand that I'm super biased in the, in that regard, but I think he just thinks about the comic form worlds away from any of the rest of us. Um, yeah. And I thought November was extraordinary. I think uh, Adventure Man is uh, fantastic. He also just has incredible collaborators. Um, you know, I'm dying for Casanova to come back with Ba and Moon um, just because there's a chemistry between the three of them that's really 
really phenomenal. Um, you know, I remain a huge fan of uh, Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucka and Brian Bendis, yeah. um, who right. are yeah. all good friends of ours and all have great work coming out right now. Yeah, there's there. We, I mean, I, I say it all over and over again. Like we are living in a golden age of of comics that are being produced. The variety is unbelievable, and at the level that it's being done is just, yeah. you know, I mean, thank you know, thank the heavens for the giants whose shoulders we all stand on. Oh, true. Because they smashed all those everything out, so we could, you know, we as a cumulative population create something yeah. so wonderful. So. Oh, you know what I haven't read yet that oh. I'm like dying to get to. And I, I'm looking in, 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 at my shelves, even though I know it is not here because, yeah. uh, uh, because I've, I've asked a couple of times like, Oh, we need to, you know, do we have any copies of this? The many deaths of Lila star. I oh, miss. Yeah. Right. And, um, uh, and I hear just fantastic buzz on that book. It's uh, Philippe Andrade, who I got to work with on Captain Marvel, who I adore. Um, and I think Rom V wrote it. And um, uh, and I've just been hearing wonderful, wonderful things about the book. I have not read it yet. And it's, it's so cool killing looking. me. Yeah. Um, so that's probably, as soon as I can get a hold of it. Um, yeah will be uh uh the next big one for me cool awesome all right it's always fun reading yeah. stuff all right yep well kelly sue thank you so much for taking the time um while while in the making i'm really glad that we were able to do this um follow kelly sue kelly sue one word on twitter milkfeds.us you can find her she's out there making great stuff Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.